Well, if you knew Danny five years ago, there's a number of things that were wrong with him uh, back then, and so I'm not sure, not sure if time has helped that any. We'll, we'll have to see, and maybe it'll be as impacting today as then. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I can't help but tease people. That's my love language, and um, don't be jealous. It's a spiritual gift. Uh, but one of the blessings of being a part of serving back in Montana is... Um, is the relationship that I've developed with this school. And appreciate you guys and appreciate the work of this school, of this college. And um, I'm pleased that every time I come here, I'm so encouraged to see a room full of young people that are uh, just committed to the Lord in the way you are. And, and it's, a, it's a great honor to be here. And uh, five years ago, when they asked me to speak, they didn't know me. And so they kind of, a, they said to us, uh, they said, pick a passage that has been the most meaningful to you in your in your Christian walk. And I, I remember when they first said that, I thought, just one passage? Are you kidding me? And, uh, you know, which one are you going to pick? And are they going to judge my spirituality based on which one I, I pick? I, I was like, Jesus wept. That one's me. You know, I, I didn't know how, what the measuring line was going to be. But as I reflected back, um, I came to faith in Christ in 1977. Yes, I am old. Uh, March, uh, March 27, 1977. I did not grow up in a, in a Christian home. I grew up in a a broken home. My parents divorced when I was four, and uh, we moved back. I was, I was actually born and raised, or partially here in Montana, over in Sheridan, and um, or I'm sorry, in Twin Bridges. I was born in Sheridan, and uh, when I was four, my folks divorced, and my dad waited 30 days to remarry, and you know, life was a mess for us. Um, I had had a, had everything you have with a broken home, and uh, and we had a large family. I have two brothers, two stepbrothers, two half-brothers, a sister and stepsister, and the half-brothers are just this tall. Just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. They're full-size half-brothers. Um, but they, uh, you know, growing up in a broken home, you know, our life was a mess, and, and we didn't go to church. We were, I call it happy pagans. We, we, we uh, Dad was a very strict disciplinarian, so we didn't do a lot when he was around. But when he was gone, we did as much as we could get away with, and a lot of dumb stuff. And, and life was a mess. I, I, I remember even when I was in the second or third grade, I used to break out in these hives, just these giant hives that kind of covered my body. I remember standing in the bathtub and mom rubbing calamine lotion on it, not knowing what else to do. And later on, finding out that it was because of nerves and stress that caused that. And just I just, I just remember it was not pleasant my dad and my stepmom they like I say they 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 married after they met for 30 days so they thought about it a lot and then and then they 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 fought like you cannot believe they had like physical knockdown drag out fights I, I just I, I remember my dad broke his ankle and so he was home stuck at home for a little while and so he he decided that my stepmom's kitchen was not arranged correctly and so he rearranged her kitchen. You can imagine how pleasant that was for her. And they got into a huge fight and, and it turned physical. And, and I remember him stomping out the door and he had a cast on. And I was scared to death about his leg. And, and, my, and as he was marching out the door, this skillet comes flying by and sticks in the paneling. Boom, you know, and, and he just turned around and walked out. And she ran and jumped out the door. He'd gone down the steps. She was hitting on him. He grabbed her by the hair and just whomp and laid her down in the driveway there and my oldest stepsister jumped on his back you leave my mom alone he grabbed her by the hair and whomp laid her right there by her mom and he got in the car and left and and that's what us kids and the rest of us little foley boys had to deal with the wrath of my stepmom and 
And I remember we that day we sat in our tractor tire sandbox that we had back before we realized those were cat litter boxes. But anyway, <laughs> we just thought some of the sand grains were bigger than others. And anyway, you know, we're, we're sitting in this sandbox just bawling our eyes out, weeping, and our mom pulls in in our 72 Chevy Nova, and we jump in the back seat, get out of here, get out of here, and she pulls away. And that was, that was my life in a nutshell. Well, then uh, a preacher came to our house in Garrett, Indiana, and knocked on the door, and he had a film strip projector and a, <laughs> a slide, and uh, he asked if he could come in, and of course, that was in the 70s when he was like, make some popcorn, honey, and you know, we all sat down, and he presented the gospel to us in a very simple way, and and we all, my dad and my stepmom and I all responded in faith. And then that next Sunday, we were baptized into Christ, and, and I gave my life to the Lord. And, but it was in the Christian church, Church Christ. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It was the instrumental side of the non-instrumental Church Christ, if you're familiar with that. I actually used to attend the Church Christ here in Belgrade uh, when we moved back here as a teenager. And so my, I came to faith in Christ. And i got to tell you the end of the story. My dad and my stepmom, Christ changed them. They became, I mean, you can't, you can't believe the difference from the beginning of their life together to the end of their life together. When dad was dying with cancer and my stepmom was in a wheelchair and, and he would wheel her around, wheel her into the restroom and help her in the ladies' restroom and he would pick her up tenderly out of that chair and bathe her and take care of her. And I, I was kind of like, these are not the same people that I grew up with. I mean, they, they were in love with each other, but Christ changed and Christ healed our home and healed our family. And that's really, I think, one of the reasons I'm a pastor today is two things. The church was the first place that I experienced unconditional love. Second was I saw Christ change my parents. And, and I knew that he could somehow change me. Now, that's not part of the message, but that's just the, the background. Because in the Church of Christ Christian Church, they have an, a, somewhat of an Armenian, very formulaic approach to salvation. That in order to be saved... You had to do some steps. You had to hear, believe, confess, or repent, confess, and be baptized. And that salvation was something that God gave to you by grace through faith, but he gave it to you after you followed those steps. Anybody familiar with that, with that background or somewhat? Yeah, that's, that's, that was where I came from. They had a very kind of a formulaic approach. And if you would have said to me, well, you don't, you, know, you don't believe in salvation by grace or by faith. You, you have these works. We never thought of them as works. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll... Okay, freshman. Uh, if you love me, you'll... No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. If you love me... <laughs> Sorry. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Yeah, so yeah. All right, all right. Let's, let's all get up to speed here because I might call on you. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. By the way, saying that to your wife doesn't really... <laughs> little marital advice out there. It is fun to tell it to your kids. I raised four daughters, and I'd say, if you love me, you'll keep me. I had one daughter said, I just like you. I don't really, I don't really love you that much. So, so where was that? Yeah, I would have argued with you that it, was, that it wasn't a case of us not believing in grace or in faith. But we felt like the way you demonstrated grace and faith was that you were obedient to what Jesus said to do. Now, the other side of that was is that I did not believe in security of a believer. I, I, I felt like, and it was taught to us that because salvation was conditional on our response to God, the continuation of salvation was also conditional upon our being faithful to God. 
You know, what did you, he was faithful to the end, will be saved. It was the idea that you had to, you had, if you had to do something for salvation, even though we didn't really think of it as works, but you also had to do something to kind of stay saved. But then that was where it got fuzzy because nobody would really tell us what line that was that we crossed it and lost our salvation. Now, for me in high school, a young teenager, I was pretty sure I lost my salvation every week. You know, I, I was doing pretty good on Sunday, you know, and with the Lord and communion and washed all my sins away again, and I was feeling pretty good. But then by Monday, I'd, I'd, I'd go watch a cheerleader and stare at her too long and have lustful thoughts, and next thing I'm, I'm, I'm out, you know. <laughs> or, or one of my brothers would do something to me, and we'd get in a fist fight, and I'm out, you know. And, and I'd have to get saved all over again. Every, I, I spent 12 years of my Christian walk really believing the gospel, but was pretty sure that I wasn't going to make it. I was always afraid. I was afraid that when I got to heaven that God was going to say, son, no. Yeah, I, I, I felt like, remember when you're kids and you're asking your parents, can Johnny spend the night? And mom's a pushover. She's like, sure, you know. And then you go ask dad, go ask your father. He's like, no, that boy's not coming in our house. And I always, I always felt like that was going to be my, my, my experience at the pearly gates, that Jesus was going to say, and here, here's Jay Full. And the father's saying, no, did you see what he did? last night did you see what he did yesterday did you see what he was thinking on the way up here today I mean he he, he would have booted me out he would have booted me out I, I didn't have that security and so I was even a youth pastor in Tampa Florida I was I felt like the Lord used me even during that time when I didn't really understand grace as well as I should have or the nature of salvation being a, primarily a work of God he still used me. I led a lot of kids. I baptized 75 kids in four years' time in my ministry. I grew a youth group from zero kids to we had 125 kids in our youth group. And so, I, I, I mean, God used me to lead kids to Christ. And, and some of those kids are still following the Lord. In fact, one of them's a, a church. He's a pastor of a mega church in North Carolina, like 5,500 people in his church. And I'm like, man, I'd like to come be your associate and you know, play golf and do a few things spiritual. But, you know, but anyway, you know, that's, uh, that, you know, he... Um, he used me during that time, but I preached the gospel in a sense of desperation. I was so desperate that you would come to faith and that you would understand. And even more so, I was so desperate that you would make it because I was pretty sure I wasn't. But I poured everything I could in to, to get the kids to respond. The problem was, is because I was afraid. Guess what I was using as a motive for kids to follow Christ? Fear. I was like... You know, now if you don't, if you keep going down the path, and this guy looks like he's probably on that path, if you're going down that path, you're not going to make it. You better repent. And I mean, we, I, I, I was, uh, for a youth pastor, I was pretty hellfire, damnation, brimstone, and you guys, I hope that you make it. You're probably not, but work hard. You know, it was, it was not very nice, was it, you know? But then somebody gave me these cassette tapes, and a cassette tape is a plastic... <laughs> guys ever watch Back to the Future? I had that Walkman, okay. So somebody gave me, uh, and you couldn't get like, uh, uh, you know, a guy's preaching all on one of these. Uh, if you got John MacArthur's uh, series through John, it was albums of cassette tapes. And you, you know what I'm talking about. And I, I had that set. Somebody gave that to me to listen to John. And I was listening to John MacArthur preach through John 10. And it was... It was a life change for me uh, because I, obviously you go, you mean you had to get all the way to John 10 before you realized grace? No, it was there all the way. I was fighting it. I was fighting it. I 
I just felt like that was too easy, that it's not fair. And I said before, I blame the Boy Scouts. You know, they kind of, Boy Scouts are a bad influence on the church because they teach work salvation. You don't get the badge unless you do the deed, right? <laughs> Tell me, what the, that's the cult baseball team right there. You know, that's, uh, yeah. So grace didn't make sense because you're supposed to do something in order to be right with God. And uh, so I, I um, when we got to John chapter 10, that's when God really spoke to me. Let's look at the passage itself, John 10, and we're going to come, we're going to pick up in verse 22, and I'm using the ESV, the extra spiritual version of the Bible. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 22, at that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long are you going to keep bugging us? That's a loose interpretation of uh, how long will you keep us in suspense? They, they didn't care about he. They were saying, how long are you going to keep harassing what we believe and messing with our foundation, messing with who we are as, as Jews? And he says, if you're the Messiah, if you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Well, the problem there is that he already had. He, he'd said it in John 7, 17, 7, 29, 7, 37 to 39, chapter 8, verse 12, chapter 8, verse 19, 23 and 24, 26, 28, 42, 51, 58 of that same verse. He'd said it in John 9, 35 through 37. If I had been given 45 minutes to preach this message, we'd look at every one of those. But just trust me, he had already said who he was. He'd already made all those statements. They knew. They just... They were, they were almost fighting against him. And, and in a strange way, that was kind of me. I still felt like in my Christian walk, even though I've been a believer for 12 years, I still felt like God was still kind of at war with me. And Jesus answered, and of course, his answer is, uh, basically his answer is, I and the Father are one. But, but notice what he says here. Jesus answered them, I told you, he says, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. And, you know, he, he, his words, his works, his, every, his whole being was a witness. But he says, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. And that's where really the text gets serious because it says, and these are the words of Christ, not mine. It says, my sheep, and here's the qualification of being a sheep of Christ. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. Now let's address that, this characteristics or credentials of true belief. That the first one is, is that we hear his voice. We recognize his voice. My sheep hear my voice. I'll tell you, now that I'm the other side of this struggle over the nature of salvation and the nature of security, I'll be honest with you, when I'm witnessing to someone, when somebody's actually asking me questions about Christ and about God and about what, what the message of the church is. I, I get excited already. I mean, I'm, to be honest, I'm already, I'm already starting to grin at them. And they're looking at me like, why are you smiling at me? I'm like, and I even sometimes say, I say, you know what? I, I'm sorry if I'm smiling at you. I'm not, you know, you don't got something stuck in your tooth. It's, it's, it's that I, I know that God's the one that's, what did Jesus say in John 6, No one can come to me unless the Father which has sent me, what, draws him and him I'll raise up at the last day. When I see God drawing somebody to himself, I'm already starting to put on the Snoopy dance, you know. 
I'm already getting excited about this because you're, you're actually witnessing a work of God. You're, you're part of it, but you get to witness something that God's doing. He's drawn another person to himself. And I tell you, I, I'm sorry, I can't even, I just start smiling when I even think about that. I just, it's exciting when you find somebody that is hearing the voice of Christ. And do you hear him? Are you listening to what he has to say? But the second characteristic, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Now, strangely enough, I don't mean this as a negative, but they respond by following. But in the before they follow, before they hear and they follow, Jesus makes this statement, I know them. And in much of modern day evangelicalism, what are we asking people? How would you like to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? You understand, kind of, you understand generally what I'm saying there? We, we, we invite people to know Jesus when in truth that's not, a, that's not a true measure of whether or not they belong to Christ. It's not whether or not you know Him. Remember what James said? Even the demons, what, believe and what, and tremble. Yeah, it's, it's really, does Jesus know you are you known by christ do you remember that really terrible awful passage and i say it not because the passage is awful or terrible but the implications of it matthew chapter 7 the end of the sermon on the mount when jesus said not everyone in verse 21 will chapter 7 says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day many people or many will say to me lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never what? Never knew you. Yeah. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And that's powerful because to this day, I, when I have doubts and, and I struggle, I wonder, Lord, do you really know me? I mean, I know you. I can. I've been preaching about you for over thirty years. I, I can talk people through your life. I can recall maybe most or even all of your words. But do I? I know you, but do you know me? You know, is it a relationship? And I know we we always say that about it. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've often wondered: Does anybody really know what it means to have a personal relationship? Do you really understand what that means? Have you ever really <laughs> dwelt upon what does that mean? Well, I, I can go off a lot of different ways. I'm trying to stay on target here, but it's it's difficult. The the truth is, my question is: Does Jesus know you? Go back to John 10, verse 3 says, "To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out." Um, Chapter 10, verse 14. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. By the way, one of the reasons why you need to get clear on who the Holy Spirit is, and what the Holy Spirit does, and what it means to have the Holy Spirit in your life, is because of what Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse something says, um, and His Spirit testifies with our spirit, that we belong to Him. When you really 
get in those moments where you're wondering if your faith is genuine, if you're, as Peter said, testing yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. That's one of those moments where has the Holy Spirit ever, if, I mean, yeah, you read the Bible, but, you know, somebody else can read it and not come to, have you ever had the Spirit really testify with your spirit that you belong to God? You see, now let's go back to where I was. Twelve years after 1977, it was now 1989, and I'm sitting in Tampa, Florida, up late at night, about 10 or 11 o'clock at night, and I've got that aforementioned Walkman on, and I'm listening to uh, John chapter 10, and, and I hear John MacArthur's voice say this, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And he paused, and he said, you realize that if one Christian goes to hell, and Jesus lied. Because Jesus said, my sheep will unqualify. Never perish. I got to tell you, I, I hit pause. That was a, a button back then. You <laughs> pushed it. And you, you had to push it hard because if you didn't, you run the risk of it eating your... T- At any rate, you, those are the Stone Age. Um, I pushed pause and I just... And it was like I couldn't argue with God anymore about this salvation being his work and not mine. That about his love and acceptance for me was totally incomplete. And that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't pay for my sins up to that point. He paid for how many of my sins when he died on the cross? All of them. My whole life was future. So is yours. When Jesus paid your sin debt, how many of them did he pay for? That's why Romans 5, the end of the books, the end of the chapter says, where grace or where sin abounds, grace, what? Abounds more, always much more. I like the, it's the, it's the much more abounds. It's, it's grace we sing in the old hymn. Grace that is greater than what? Most of our sins, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Grace is greater than all our sins. And I'll tell you what, when I, when I read that, by the way, I, I didn't trust John MacArthur, and I would advise you not to trust everything he says. He's a good guy. Um, but the never perish, it's in the Greek, it's, it's kai ume apolontai. And I just said that so you know I knew a little bit of Greek. Um, <laughs> but the ume, the, the and ume is a double negative. Now, in English, a double negative equals a positive but some of you didn't know that you're like uh, yeah, well, yeah no, no. but in greek a double negative is a not not i mean it's uh it's an emphatic we would say no way no how okay it is you will actually not ever perish my pastor used to say if that doesn't light your fire your wood's wet um <laughs> But he was old too. Um, <laughs> my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. The reason we never perish is because the salvation that we have is a gift. Um, turn to First John chapter five, verse eleven. We could spend all day looking at verses that would support this. But I like, I like how John expands when he's writing this letter. And he says in verse 11 of chapter 5, and this is the testimony, this is, this is his witness, this is, you know, 
if you've ever called to testify in court, I wouldn't recommend it, but if you ever have to do it, it you just you don't make stuff up. You just tell what you know. I was riding with a friend in college, and he was not a Christian friend. He was just a friend, and but he had a 63 Corvette convertible. <laughs> so sweet. 427 engine. So I, I, I would ride with him because of it was like a light to moths for girls to come around that car. And so <laughs> there he was. But he wasn't a good example. And him and another guy in a very souped-up car, they got to you know, revving their engines at each other. And this was back in the day when you cruised, went around Sonic, and then went downtown, and then cruised Maine. Did that all night like idiots. But so he revved his engine. He stood off and he threw his Coke at Billy's car and Billy threw his ice cream cone at him. And, uh, and the guy looked back and the ice cream cone hit him in the forehead and stuck in his mirror. And then, and then they tore off down the street and then they, they go down an alley and he jumps out. He's going to whoop Billy. And Billy was a hothead and he jumped out of his car and the guy had his hand under the seat. And I'm like, Billy, don't, you know, and I'm the only one calm in this situation. And so Billy runs over to him, and the guy pulls out some nunchucks, and he knows how to use them. He's like, you know, in the Bruce Lee business. And so, and then Billy, you know, brave Billy runs like a little girl, run, you know, past me and runs up, and the guy comes up. I'm still sitting in a convertible, mind you. And he's whipping these things over my head. He goes, you want a piece of me? And I'm like, wasn't my ice cream going on fine? You know? <laughs> Isn't there a proverb that says something about hanging around with idiots or something like that? You lose translation again. So I had to go to court. I had to testify. And I had to tell them these guys were idiots. And the judge agreed with me. He kind of, kind of like, kind of like Bala kicked these boys in the butt and sent them home. You know. so, but when you go on and you raise your hand, you, you, don't, you don't make something up. I told just what happened. My dad said, if you tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. You know? So I just told what happened. Here's John's testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Now back to John 10. i got to tell you, that day in Tampa, Florida, it was at night, when I... When all of a sudden the dam broke and I realized how much God loved me and how much he forgave me, I literally went down on the floor on my face and I was bawling my eyes out. And I was just, I was crying out to God and I said, I was just, God, thank you. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of this. And it was one of those times when the Spirit did speak to me because the voice I heard said this, I know you're not worthy. That's why I sent my son to die for you. And I'll tell you what, I, I was never, I mean, I, I was a crazy man after that. I, I just had so much joy in my heart after that when I realized that I didn't have to earn my salvation or do anything to keep my salvation, that I was secure in Christ. What, what is it that the Bible says casts out fear? Perfect love. He got it right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. It, it's that perfect love. And I experienced, I experienced from my Heavenly Father that perfect love in that moment. And, and I owe it all to John chapter 10. That's, that's why it's one of the most impacting passages of Scripture on my life. To know that Jesus has given me eternal life. It's a gift. 
that I'm never going to perish, not not going to perish, that no one will snatch me out of his hand. And then this visualization that Jesus holds us, and then he says, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and he says, and no one <laughs> is going to snatch him out of my Father's hand. So whether, whether you see Jesus holding us and the Father doing this, or whether you see Jesus holding us and the Father doing this, who's going to snatch you away from, from God? Nobody. Nobody. One more passage, and then we'll wrap this up so you guys can go eat. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Verse 37, for in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. By the way, Romans 5 through, Danny and I were talking about this, Romans 5 through 8 is, uh, who did you say the author was? What was his name again? Martin Lloyd-Jones. Yeah, great guy. Um, he's in heaven now. That means he's dead. No, he's in heaven now. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he, uh, that's bad. Five through eight, I know. Captain Obvious here, right? Yeah. Uh, five through eight is all about our security in Christ, but really it goes beyond that because 9, 10, 11 is all about Israel's security and, and the gifts and calling of God are what? Irrevocable. You don't give them back. There's no refund. And, yet, and when you study this out, you're going to find that, that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit who is a down payment in order to lose... Salvation, we'd have to lose God's down payment. And is that even possible? You, you begin to realize how impossible it is for you to lose this gift of salvation that God has given to you. Now, right yet Romans 8, I've been waiting. All right, you ready? Verse 38, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Perfect love casts out fear. Oh. Now if we had time, we'd continue on because the reaction of the crowd here was, kill them. <laughs> you think they'd say, thank you. I mean, yeah. they asked him a question, and you the Christ? And he said, yep. And then they said, kill them. My point is, not everybody's going to like what you say about this. I, I was in the church, Christian church. When I discovered that I was secure, I called all my Christian church pastor friends. And I was like, we were wrong. The Baptists got it right. Which that wasn't. <laughs> One of them, literally, like literally, I was like, hey, we don't lose our salvation. And I was quoting all the scriptures that I was learning. And, and he said, you sound like a Baptist. I said, I don't care what I sound like. It's the word of God. What are you talking about? We said for years, no book, but, no book but the Bible, no creed but Christ. We, we said for years where Scripture speaks, we speak. And I was speaking to them about security. And, and guess how many of them were like, oh, you're right. We were wrong. No, that, no, it didn't happen quite like that. I was labeled an apostate. I wasn't allowed to teach at church camp anymore. I was allowed to lead worship and be the rec director because they, they, they still like me. But then later on, they lowered that I could preach, but I couldn't do the invitation because they were afraid I wouldn't get the formula right, you know. Oh, well. Then all of a sudden, it dawned on me. Those guys are secure anyways. They don't have to believe in security to be secure. Think about it. If security is true, then when is it not true? 
Is it only true for those that believe it? Please say no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, if, if we're secure because salvation, even if somebody doesn't understand that, they're still just as secure as you are. And guess what it did for me? I didn't have to win these arguments. Because it may surprise you, but I like to argue. So it's part of my sin nature I'm working on. Um, I always say that at the rapture, when we're all going up, the last sinful thing I'm going to do is look at about eight of my buddies and go, I told you. <laughs> no, here we go. I love I love to argue. But you don't have to do that. You're secure in Christ. They're secure in Christ. And we have an incredible God that loves us perfectly. Let's pray. Father, <laughs> just the joy you put in our hearts because of the truth of your word. And if we hear your voice and if you know us and we follow you, that we will never perish. You give us eternal life. We're never going to perish. No one can snatch us or pluck us from your hand that we are going to heaven. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.